Yesterday, we talked about what Utah needs to do to beat USC. But what does USC need to do to avoid dropping both their meetings with the Utes this year? Let's go. Our Locked On Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked On Pack 12 on this championship Friday. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Please continue to like, comment, subscribe wherever you listen to or watch this show, which is a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thanks to everybody who continues to support the show, which today is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. I am joined, of course, to look at this game from the USC side of things by our Locked On USC host here at the network, Mark Colkin. He is at Mark Colkin with a C and then in two more Ks in his name if you want to follow him on there. But Mark, you are in Las Vegas. I imagine you are ready to watch some football. Cannot wait. It's been a long, look, for USC fans, this has been a long time coming. Uh, so to get back to the uh, the promised land, so to speak, city of sin, feels good. And to be one win away from a college football playoff appearance is is pretty remarkable. But let's let's focus on what is in front of USC here, because as Trojan fans well know, it is not an opponent that you are going to be able to roll over in in the Utah Utes who come in nine and three. So let's start with the biggest thing that USC has to do in this game, Mark. I look at it and say, man, I feel like they've got to just control Dalton Kincaid. I, I really think it's pretty easy well not easy but simple perhaps defensively I think if you control Kincaid the passing attack for Utah becomes very very limited what do you think is the biggest thing USC needs to do to get a win I think they just need to continue doing what they've done for the last few weeks of the season defensively and that is bow up at the neck and stop the other team from running the ball so they did that against UCLA and held Zach Charbonnet below 100 below 100 yards then last week against Notre Dame, they said, oh, we're going to play an old school football. And they held the entire Notre Dame offense below 100 yards rushing. And I think that's where Utah wants to go first, though. They want to establish the run um, because Cam Rising, I, I think his passing builds off their running game. And if Utah cannot run the ball, uh, that's just too much pressure for Cam Rising. Um, and, and I think that's the key to the game for USC right off the bat because they're going to they're gonna reach their scoring average of 42 points a game. I mean, they did it the first time uh, in Salt Lake City, and they actually left points on the field in Salt Lake City. Yeah, I, I agree with what you said about the Utah offense, that if you force them into a situation where it's just straight drop-back passing, I don't think it's like that UCLA game where you kept Zach Charbonnet in check, sure, but you look up and UCLA still has 45 points on the board because DTR has been really good this year. And I've seen Cam rising in spurts in, in his career, the last couple of seasons as the huge starter, be able to kind of carry the offense with his right arm. But I think he's at his best and the offense as a whole is at its best when he has the play action available to him. And that's what was killing USC in their first meeting, right? I mean, a lot of Dalton Kincaid's catches were just, kind of split zone action and he runs out into the flat and there was nobody really there 
But I'm with you that USC's rush defense has been much more impressive in, in that front. But one thing that's – yeah, if you have a thought, go ahead. Well, uh, to your point with the Dalton Kinnick, Dalton Kincaid and the tight end. It, he was he definitely hurt USC. I, I don't want to, you know, poo-poo around it. But, you know, he also had nearly 100 yards after the catch. Right. And, and that was where USC got hurt. So if they just tackle better, which they've been doing as the season went on, and, again, stop the run, I don't think Dalton Kincaid goes, along, goes out for an NFL All-Pro type of game again. Yeah, he and he's a tough guy to bring down in space, right? It's it's a simple formula for sure. It is certainly easier said than done for a guy who also is probably playing with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. I was talking with JT Wittersill of Locked On Utes yesterday. I know that Utes fans are uh, certainly peeved that he didn't get into the the finalist category for the Mackey Award for the yeah, best tight end in the country. He gets my vote. I, 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 I don't know how that happened. Anyway, that's that's entirely a separate conversation. I want to stick with the USC defense here because when they've been at their best mark or when they've been most impactful in a game, I think is the best way to put it, is when they're forcing turnovers. They haven't been a defense that is going to consistently force three and outs or hold you to field goals. They, they're at their best when they're forcing turnovers, whether it's deep in your own territory or deep in the red zone. They have been able to do it all season long and I don't think it's a coincidence that their only loss of the season to this Utah team came in a game where they forced just one turnover I think if you look at it and say if USC's got two to three turnovers they're probably in a good place in a good position to to win this game how do you think that happens for this USC defense after failing to intercept Cam Rising in the first meeting and forcing a fumble down inside the tent well, if we want to get technical about it, Spencer, they did intercept him in the last meeting. But well, then there was, a, there was a couple of judgment calls um, that went against USC. That It changed the complexion of the game uh, at that point because it's the difference between 21 nothing and 14-7. So, but yes, again, giving pressure on Cam Rising is going to be important because, like you mentioned, there's one game this year where USC only gets credit for forcing one turnover, and that's the game they lost. And when they did force that turnover, uh, they went on a – I can't even say it was a long offensive drive because they only netted 27 yards. Uh, however, they kept the ball for almost five minutes before they gave it back up. So it was a it was a negative possession, um, and you, you can't afford to do that when your defense is giving up touchdowns on the other side. So – Yes, uh, USC just needs to get back on schedule, create two turnovers, and uh, usually they win a game. I think the formula for Utah here, at least to some extent, when you have an offense that's humming the way USC's is, led, of course, by Caleb Williams, who is spectacular, as I've been talking about here on the show, and everybody has in, in college football. And it's nice to see somebody on the West Coast getting the, the credit they deserve. I don't think Michael Penix is getting the love he deserves. Dalton Kincaid certainly isn't. We can go all the way back to Christian McCaffrey and, and whatnot and such. And, you know, we could go for 30 minutes about the reasons for all of that. But they the formula for yeah, Well, yeah, that is, a, that is certainly a component to what I'm speaking <laughs> wow. about. But the formula for Utah, Mark, in this sort of game, when you just look at the styles that they play, be able to run the football, control the clock, keep Caleb Williams standing on the sideline and watching this game. Is USC's only answer really to force turnovers to to stop that from taking place and not allow Utah to go on, you know, seven or eight minute scoring drives? I 
I, I suppose so. I mean, there's been, I haven't seen a scenario yet where USC doesn't come out on top because they score. They, they force the other team to have to score every time they have the ball. If USC gets, you know, eight possessions a game and they score on six of them, even if they're not touchdowns, you're still forcing the other team to score every single time. And again, it's, it's happened one time so far this year. Oregon State came close. But again, you know, when they turned it over four times, USC, for what it was on the road, um, that was by far Caleb's worst game of the season. So if if Utah can recreate that Oregon State magic from that night defensively, maybe there's that's how you do it. It takes it takes Caleb Williams imploding, I guess, um, just being off, and um, it hasn't happened. We, that's why he's winning the Heisman in a couple of weeks. Yeah, and I think the Oregon State game is the only one you could look at and say. That is not a good game from Caleb Williams, but literally each of the other 11, he's been marching the offense up and down the field. He's protecting the ball as well, and he's a big reason why, according to our friends at BetOnline, USC is a two-and-a-half-point favorite at the moment, and BetOnline.net is, as always, your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from football to basketball to soccer and esports. We've got it all at BetOnline.net. Net, betonline.net, that is. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. So, Mark, let's talk about that USC offense that has got the best player in college football, to be sure. Offensive line has been fantastic. No Travis Dye. Apparently, no problem. I, I still think he brings a dimension to to the offense they're missing a little bit. But Austin Jones is clearly, you know, at the very least serviceable and at his best is giving you everything you got with, with Travis Dye. The running game for USC to balance that passing attack and not put it all on Caleb Williams all the time, I, I think does need to be there. I don't think they need to go crazy, you know, but you got to be over probably 100 to 125 yards on the ground at least, and if Caleb gives you 300-plus, I think that's enough for USC to win the game. But where do you feel like the Trojans' rushing attack is right now heading into this matchup with Utah? I think it's heading in the direction they want it to. As, as I mentioned, um, these last few games, they've actually controlled the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. So I'm not, I'm not concerned about them being able to run the ball uh, this time. They were able to run the ball last time against Utah. Um, Again, it's it, for me, and, and I know this this comes across maybe arrogantly, but USC was able to put up 42 points at Salt Lake City in Salt Lake more, City more than anybody else did this year. Here's the other thing: we know that Utah away from Salt Lake City is a different team. Uh, they've lost three times this season, so and they don't. Offensively, they just don't look like the same team. So, again, it comes back to this. You have to be able to score with USC. So, yeah, you get them, you know, you, you get them off their, their schedule one or two times, that's great. But that's your margin for error. That's it. Offensively, USC has protected the ball incredibly well. And Caleb Williams is a big reason behind that. You have to credit the coaching staff and the running backs. 
as well for just not coughing it up this year. Not every team has been like that. Look at Stanford this season. They were fumbling, I, I swear, Mark, three to four times a game. Occasionally they would they would recover it, but it was a consistent problem. But Caleb has done so many spectacular things, but hasn't really had a big blunder yet, right? A big blunder in a critical moment. He's had, I think, four interceptions this year in, in 12 games, still three. Yeah, so it's three interceptions in in 12 games which is a remarkable number for an offense that throws the ball as often as USC does. What has it been about his game and his play that's allowed him to be so productive and and kind of play with that, you know, quote-unquote gunslinger mentality without the downside of it, which is, well, yeah, the turnovers are there too. Well, number one, um, they haven't fumbled the ball on offense all season long, which is just an, it's an incredible. Stat. Yeah, it's pretty remarkable. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty remarkable. Well, you have to give a ton of credit to the offensive line that have, for the most part, has kept his uniform clean. And Caleb is playing with a level of confidence right now that there's no panic. I don't even know if the term panic exists in his vocabulary, if it's even part of his DNA, because you know, you give him time in the pocket, he'll pick you apart. If he gets outside the pocket, he knows that it takes, you know, like four guys to pin him in a corner. Otherwise, he's going to find an escape route. So the play is never over with Caleb. Um, if, if you talk and figure out a way to to make Caleb turn go from the hero to what I've been describing as the anti-hero into Deadpool Caleb where he's, the effort is there. He wants to do the right thing, but everything he's doing is just making a bloody mess everywhere, everything he does. We haven't seen that this year. I can't see that happening now. Again, he's just playing with way too much confidence. Yeah, I, I would just like it on the record since you brought it up. I can't stand Deadpool. I really can't. It is, just, I don't, I don't vibe with those movies. I hate, it's, I don't even consider him a part of the MCU. Anyway, I'm probably going to get more flack for that here on the channel than anything else I have said uh, since I since I started hosting the show. But uh, another tidbit of the offense I want to ask you about, Mark, on the USC side of things is the wide receiving core. And they have been battling attrition this year. Jordan Addison ha- has been in and out. Mario Williams hasn't played every game. And guys just continue to step up. What do you think has been the key for them to be so strong in that sense? And what do you need, or what does USC need, rather, to get a win from their wide receiving core? Well, look, with, with this group, it's they are competing against each other for the opportunity to play with Caleb Williams on the field during the game. So that's where that, you know, where they become so good. So remember in the, the last time USC and Utah played, Jordan Addison, before he had to leave the game with the injury, he had seven receptions for over 100 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Mario Williams ended up, you know, finishing with a game high 145 yards. So both of those guys now are healthy going into this game. When they're not available, you have players like Michael Jackson who have stepped up their games. You have Kyle Ford who makes big catches. You have guys like Taj Washington. And then every now and then they'll slip out, you know, the running back out there. You have a tight end that they actually will use on occasion. Um it's hard to defend all of these wide receivers. You, you literally, you, you can't double team anybody. If you want to try and, you know, cheat and shade to Jordan Addison, 
you're just leaving too many guys open. And with Caleb Williams' ability to make any throw any wrong field, um, even when you think he should be making that throw, that's the difference. One thing that USC has been really good at this year because of who they have at quarterback with with Caleb Williams is the scramble drill, right? You know, first, second read, not there. Williams finds a seam, slithers out of the pocket, finds open space, and he's not Cam Newton out there where he wants to take off running, go downhill and lower his shoulder. Like, he runs to throw, which I think is a great trait for a quarterback as, as mobile as him because some guys move so that they can run but Caleb Williams gets out of the pocket so that he can create down the field. And USC has created a lot of great passing plays in that sense. Is there a way to keep Caleb Williams bottled up in that pocket? Because he is so hard to get on the ground. And I, I was talking with JT Wistersil of Locked On Utes yesterday about how I think the biggest key for Utah is to just rush with discipline, mm -hmm. just consistently. Because if you let him get out of the pocket, what are you going to do? You're asking your corners to cover for too long and you're allowing Caleb Williams to take off a run if he has that sort of space, but mostly he wants to get that. Like, it's just asking too much of, of, of a defense. But have there been stretches of a particular game, particular matchup this year that Utah might look at and say, hey, this is how we want to play the offense to keep Caleb Williams in the pocket? It's still, It still comes down to the best defense against this offense is to play a zone, a, a soft type of zone. Um, and just like you said, but you have to maintain your, your discipline. You cannot get outside of your, your area, your territory, because again, Caleb will, he'll read any advantage you give him. And ironically, when you talk about the scramble drill, his weakness this year, if you want to, you know, attribute a weakness to him, it's the big play downfield. It's the deep ball. So if you force USC to have their receivers have to go deep, uh, maybe that's where Utah can make a difference defensively in the secondary. You're saying like on, on a traditional kind of drop back, I mean, obviously they're in shotgun the whole time, but a, a, a traditional just like downfield one-on-one -on -one shot, like that hasn't been the area where, where you think he's been the strongest this year? Absolutely. I think that's where he's been uh, his least effective. It's it, again. It's hard when you look at all of his numbers. I mean, it's just. It... Oh, I think we lost Mark here for uh, for just a moment. He's in a hotel in in Las Vegas, uh, so the uh, the Wi-Fi maybe 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 cutting out. Hopefully, he gets back here in in just in just a moment. But it's an interesting note that that he makes on that front because you think of Caleb Williams and you think of all the explosive plays. Right, you, you think about how USC is able to move the ball, the spectacular plays, the amazing throws, everything that everything that he's been able to do this season, and I, I really feel like it's it's an interesting it's it's an interesting note to look at it and say, okay, we actually want Caleb Williams to throw the ball down the field. And it does sound kind of ridiculous, but now as I think about it more and more, how many times this year has USC had a big play down the field on, say, a one-on-one -on -one shot down the sideline? I'm not saying it hasn't happened, but those big explosive plays, Lincoln Riley is so good and smart schematically with what he does offensively. He likes to get plays into the middle of the field. That's where the receivers have always found 
a lot of space. And so I think with Caleb Williams, if you're going to make him make throws from the pocket, maybe you do want to say, you know what, try and beat us over the top. Because a fascinating matchup that I'll ask Mark about here once once he hops back on is Jordan Addison against Clark Phillips. And if Jordan Addison is not at 100% going into this game, that's a matchup that probably favors Utah. But I do wonder, I, I do wonder with the array of weapons that USC has, whether or not they can, whether or not they being Utah, of course, allow Clark Phillips to just shadow him or if they'll keep him on a side of the field he particularly likes. I think just from a speed perspective, Utah is probably best suited to take Phillips, put him on Addison and say, you know, let's 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 make him make him beat us there. And we just we're just going to keep on keep on rolling. Mark Mark is back fighting through technical issues over there. Uh, but anyway, Mark, while, while you were gone, I uh, got us into the conversation with regards to matchups in the secondary. And Clark mm-hmm. Phillips is, of course, the best corner that, that Utah has one of the best in in all of the Pac-12. Do you think, like, if, if you were Utah, put yourself in Morgan Scally, defensive coordinator, and Kyle Whittingham's shoes for a moment. If you were going to defend this USC offense and you have a player like Clark Phillips on the back end, would you just have him man mark Jordan Addison? Um, sure. Again, you're, you're, it's kind of a pick your poison. It doesn't matter who you man mark. Any one of USC's wide receivers, and if Clark Phillips is your best, that means your other guys aren't nearly as good. And do they match up with USC's wide receivers? So, sure, you you can eliminate Jordan Addison, but again, you eliminated him last game for part of the second half, and it it took some it took USC's defense not I guess pulling their weight for them to lose that game. Yeah, I I, th- I agree with you. It is kind of a a, a pick your po- pick your poison sort of situation because those guys are not just good in theory, right? They've been good all season long. Like Michael Jackson against Cal had what hundred and something yards, couple touchdowns. We know what Mario Williams is capable of. You've got you know Brendan Rice over there as like the number four or five or six option on on some days. Like it's an embarrassment of riches at wide receiver. They threw for five touchdowns in Salt Lake City. Not, not right. scored five. They threw for five touchdowns. Right. I, I mean, we can go over the different, you know, in, in theory, how they should go about it. Um, to quote the line from, you know, the movie Meatballs, it just doesn't matter. If Caleb Williams and the USC offense does what they are, you know, supposed to do, against, and they've already done it against the best defense on the road, I look. Sorry, it is what it is for me. There's just no, there's nothing left to talk about. I guess we've talked about it and we've looked for different ways. And I don't like to BS my way through things. If Caleb Williams and the USC receivers play to their potential, you need more than one Clark Phillips. Yeah, I, I agree. One game I want to ask you about, Mark, is the Oregon State game because I feel like if you're Utah. You're looking at the film from that game and saying that is the lowest offensive output USC has had all season long. 
Caleb Williams was uncomfortable. I think his completion percentage was under 50%. Like overall, it was a bury the tape game mm-hmm. for, for the USC offense and the defense did, did its job with four turnovers to win the game. What did you see in that game from Oregon State, who, who have a great defensive coordinator in Trent Bray, that if you were Utah, you would want to try and emulate to try and slow down USC? It, you know, it, it was such an odd game because they they were able to get, you know, create pressure. But as Caleb escaped it, he was just off with his accuracy all game. You look at his throwing numbers and and I don't have them in front of me. Maybe you can look them up for me. Um I believe he missed close to 15, 16 throws in that game. So it was when you're on the road um, and for USC, Corvallis has always been their house of horrors. Yep. And I don't know if it was, you know, he was 16 of 36 in that game for, with with 180 yards and a touchdown. There you go. It was even worse than I remembered. So it was it it was more that soft zone defense, Caleb just being off. Um, you know, we people talk about the how how certain fields can play with people. Oregon State's field has one of those crowns, and so with Caleb rolling out, you go from being high to low, and did that affect him for the first time playing on that field? Who knows? He just looked like he had never seen a football before throwing it uh, in that game. Yeah, he hasn't looked like that since. No. Um, and so we're hoping that it, uh, that Caleb doesn't show up again. Finally, with Mark Culkin of Locked On at USC, it's it's game prediction time, Mark. And, you know, here in Locked On Pac-12, been waiting for this game all season long. Cannot wait. Love the matchup. A lot of enticing storylines. USC in the Pac-12 by default, of course, in the running for a college football playoff slot. There's a lot of different reasons that I could pick Utah, but I right now could not in good faith say that I feel more confident in Utah with how Cam Rising has been kind of iffy the last couple weeks compared to what Caleb Williams and USC are doing. I would lay the two and a half points. I'd pick USC, and I do think USC gets the revenge. I think it reminds me, Mark, of when Oregon went to the playoff in the 2014 season. They lost to a really good... Arizona team at home. Now USC was on the road, of course, but they lost to them at home. That was their only loss of the season. They played them again in the Pac-12 championship game. And with a Heisman Trophy caliber quarterback, that was kind of the difference, right? Is Utah had done or Arizona had done enough in that meeting at Autzen Stadium to beat the Ducks and Salt Lake City provided enough juice for Utah to beat USC. But I think down on a neutral site, I think USC gets the revenge and ends the Pac-12's playoff drought. Oh, God, from, from your mouth to God's ears. But, you know, it's not, just the, <laughs> it's not just the players who want this game. I know how badly uh, Caleb took this loss. I know how angry Thule was after the game. Uh, there's also the Lincoln-Riley factor. Um, so far in his young coaching career, he's been beaten by a team during the regular season. And he went on to face that same team in their conference championship game at the end of the year. Uh, Lincoln is also a very competitive person. Um, he wants the chance to, you know, um, right the wrong from the last time. So, you know, he's looking to go three for three uh, when he gets a, when that Mulligan game comes around. So, uh, final score: USC forty-two, Utah twenty-seven. 
I'll go 30. I, I think what I had yesterday was, or no, I think I waited until until now. But I think 38-31, I think it's in, in that sort of range. I'll say USC is held under 40 because of a missed field goal. Okay. But I, I, I feel pretty confident in in just what USC can do offensively. I, I just look at Caleb Williams and say, he's playing the most important position, and he's the best player on the field. And you've got a great offensive coach to support him. It's hard to pick against that. It's it's that. But for me, as prolific as Caleb Williams is, uh, you know, being USC's eighth Heisman winner or about to be, it's the defense is now coming on at the end of the game. And at the end of the season, excuse me. And for USC, that's been their weakest link, their Achilles heel. Um, maybe that's why the line was, from bet online was only three points. I don't know. It's a strange line to me. But – you know, maybe people aren't paying attention to how well they've been playing at the end of the season defensively. Well, perhaps, but on the flip side, as you mentioned, it is USC. <laughs> so they're, they're never usually short on eyeballs. All four of ours and many of yours as well will be glued to our televisions on Friday night. Mark Colkin of Locked On USC. He and I both think the Trojans will get it done, but... Time shall tell. Maybe we'll have to eat crow. You never know. It's happened before. But, Mark, appreciate you coming on and uh, enjoy the game and everybody else enjoy it as well. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Spencer. Appreciate you. Appreciate everyone listening. See you next time. Enjoy the Pac-12 championship game and have a wonderful rest of your day.